This was recorded live at Trinity Church in San Juan, Puerto Rico. For more information, go to trinitypr.org. Good evening again. You know, during the Christmas season, we talk a lot about light and darkness, and you probably heard it in some of our readings today and in some of the songs. We talk about this star of wonder that brings great light. And if you've been, if you've been with us in our sermon series uh, throughout these past weeks, you've heard about who this star of David is that was coming uh, to rescue us all. And of course, we know we're in church. It's Jesus. <laughs> but the Bible uses this analogy of light and darkness, and I find it very fascinating on multiple levels. And I'm sure you've had this experience somewhat, but every once in a while when I'm running in the morning, uh, I can be running on the 199 down here early. And there's a section where like the jungle takes back the road and the street lights are out. And I should probably wear a headlamp, but I don't because it's only like a quarter mile or, may, or in between a quarter and a half mile stretch. And I think, you know, I got this. I don't really want to carry extra equipment. But if I'm in that section and a car comes the other way, I am momentarily blinded. I have to stop whatever I'm doing. Even whatever small amount of the path I could see, I have to stop. And in that moment, I actually prefer the darkness to the light. I'd rather be in the darkness. Now, you guys, we all have this experience somewhat, even from kids. You know, you wake up in the morning and you're groggy and you go into a really bright room and you're like, ah, no, ah, oh. We prefer the darkness. And this is the story of the Bible time and time again. Adam Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus' disciples, all of Rome, you and me, we prefer darkness to light. But what does the Bible mean by preferring darkness to light? Uh, you've probably heard the most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But if you were to keep reading past that passage, you would see that it actually talks about light and darkness again. And here's what it says. It says, the light has come into the world, talking about Jesus, and the people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why do we love the darkness rather than the light? And how do we become people who love the light? And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Why do we love the darkness rather than the light, and how do we become people who love the light? So first, why do we love the darkness? And there's going to be two reasons underneath this one. We, we love the darkness because the light hurts. And because the hope that it offers is terrifying. And I'm going to try to go through this quickly, but I'm going to use a more modern-day example. If you've seen the Batman movies, The Dark Knight Rises, Bane and Batman have an exchange. Now, Bane is the villain. If you haven't seen these movies, Batman's the good guy. Um, and Bane is, is fighting Batman, and they have this exchange about light and darkness. And here's what Bane says. He says, you think, Batman, that darkness is your ally, but you merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man, and by then it was nothing to me but blinding. It was blinding to Bane because it revealed that he had been in darkness his entire life. And this is how the Bible describes us. Being in the darkness of sin our entire lives. Not just adopting darkness, not just choosing darkness, but born in it, molded by it. It's who we are through and through. And when the light shines in, it hurts. But why exactly does it hurt? Well, part of it is because it shows us who we really are. And one example, I'm going to use this, I can take this a lot of different ways, but it's just the folly of our own self-made image. The light of the Bible, the light of Jesus comes in and says, you 
are nothing on your own. You can't please me. At best, you can please yourself. And that's what many in our world have settled for, right? Like, I'm just out looking, looking out for number one. That's all I'm here for. That is all that I hope to achieve. But the Bible tells a different story. It shines a light in and it says that you're actually made for something so much more. You were made to please God. But in that comparison of who we're trying to please, whether it's just ourselves or God, we realize the kind of shambles that we've been living in. And one, one Christian author puts it this way. It says that what we find when we read the Bible, when we read about the glories that Jesus has for us, it's like we were playing, we were children playing with mud pies in the dirt. Content with the dirt when there were riches and kingdoms awaiting for us. But when the light shines in, it hurts. It shows us that maybe what we've worked very hard for our entire lives might actually be futile, not worth very much in God's economy. It requires us to change everything that we've grown to love and actually learn to love something different. Like Bane, we were born in the darkness. Like Bane, we were molded by it. And when light began to show us that our path was wrong, we closed our eyes and our ears and we said, I'm not listening. The first reason that we love the darkness more than the light is because the light hurts. It reveals the shamble of the lives that we lead. Now, the second reason that we love the darkness is because the hope that the light offers is terrifying. And actually, in The Dark Knight Rises, Bane talks about this too. Because Bane is the villain, he actually wants to cause Gotham City the most despair as possible. And in his wicked study of how to cause the most despair, he's found that actually if you take away all hope, they don't experience despair in the same way. The people who have even a little bit of hope actually despair the most. You've got to leave a little bit of light that they think that they can reach. You just have to always keep it away from them. I think many of us have learned a similar lesson. We learned something like this, don't get your hopes up you'll only be disappointed. And we've come into that with Christ, in, into Christianity with those same beliefs. So even those of us that profess faith in Jesus say, you know what, I'm actually not going to get my hopes up too high because I don't want to be disappointed. I've learned that lesson. And let's be honest, some of us have experienced terrible suffering in this world. Now we could talk about the major sufferings of this world, like genocide, infanticide, miscarriages of justice, discrimination and war crimes. And I bet you if you were to read actually these stories that we just read this morning and you were to read about Jesus' life, you would see that all of those things are present in Jesus' life. He's not oblivious to the darkness of this world, to the despair of this world. But he's also not oblivious to your own personal sufferings either. He's not oblivious to the abuse, manipulation, isolation, and abandonment that you've experienced. The, fa the failures, your sorrows, your embarrassments... Jesus knows those. But when light shines into those areas of our lives, we're afraid to hope. Because those of us who have been burned by hope previously understand that to hope in something there is dangerous. It's just too dangerous to hope in the light. So we're, we love the darkness more than the light because it hurts. It shows us that what we're doing is wrong, but also because the hope that it offers is scary. We just don't know if we can actually trust the hope that's on offer in Scripture. So how does Scripture say that we become people who love the light? Now, again, if you've seen The Dark Knight Rises, you'll know this pivotal scene where Batman has to climb out of this pit of darkness and literally jump towards the light, and he can't do it with the rope. 
He's got to make a leap of faith of sorts. And a lot of people believe that actually Christianity requires a similar sort of leap of faith. And maybe you've even heard it or believe it yourself. The Bible seems to support it. I don't know if you've heard this story. There's a man, he had a son uh, that had very powerful seizures. And he took him to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I would like you to heal my son. He's, he's been injuring himself with these seizures. And you know what Jesus says to him? He says, all things are possible for the one who believes. Imagine being that father. You've traveled maybe some distance. You fought through a crowd to get Jesus' attention. You finally brought your child to him. You said, Jesus, I would like you to heal my son. And he says, if you just had more faith, your son would already be healed. I wonder if any of you have heard Christians say stuff like that. And I want you to hear right here that that's not what Christianity says. Christianity doesn't require a leap of faith on your end because you'd never make the jump. The story of Scripture is that you don't have what it takes to have the faith to please God. You need someone else to do it for you. And actually, for the resolution of the story, we can see this here. Jesus actually doesn't affirm this either. He follows up with the man, right? And the man has tears filling his eyes, he says, as he's thinking about his son and how weak his faith is, and that if he just had stronger faith, that maybe he could heal his son. And he says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And do you know what Jesus does? He heals his son, yes. But he announces that he is the hope of the world. That he is the only one who really truly believes. And since he's the one who really truly believes and he's the one that can make the leap of faith, then all things are possible for him. And so he heals his son. But more so than that, he gives that father and that son hope that was too scary to believe in. The story of Christianity is not that we make our own names for ourselves, that we make a leap of faith to become a people who love the light. The story of the Christian life is dependent upon, dependence upon the light of the world himself to come and rescue us. Because what we say here, even in these candles, right, we lit them these last four weeks in kind of this downward spiral because we understand that what Jesus does is he makes the leap from heaven to earth. And what we celebrate as Christmas is that God himself was incarnate for a particular purpose to ransom people, to make them people who love the light. The Christian life is not a life of people who naturally love the light. The Christian life is a life of people who have been blinded by the light and cry out to him, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe that what you say in your word is true about my life, that I can't create my own self-image and that I need you to give me my dignity and purpose, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe that you see the injustices in my life and the injustices in the world, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Lord, help my unbelief. This is the Christian life. This is how we become people who love the light. Because what Jesus says time and time again throughout his word is that knock and you will enter, ask and you will receive. And just like this man who cried out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, Jesus helped his unbelief and made him someone who loved the light. Now, our first passage in our reading said this in Isaiah 9-2. This was 600 years before Jesus actually walked the, the earth. And it said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. And today we have an opportunity to symbolize that. And how we're going to do this is acknowledge, first of all, this is what we call our Christmas candle. And we're going to light this the day before Christmas because Christmas is tomorrow. Um, And we're celebrating it as the sun is setting here, that the light has come into the world and is spreading hope where once there was none. And as this candle is lit and Jesus comes into the world, we're actually going to pass this light from one to another to see the light of the world spreading. Jesus' hope in the midst of despair. So we symbolize this by lighting these candles in here, and we're also going to sing this, the, the, our last Christmas carol, Silent Night. Um, a couple of notes on the candles. Occasionally the wax does drip down past these little protectors. Kids, be careful. Um, afterwards, when we blow them out, after our song has ended, you can return them back there, and we can reuse them for next year. So with that, I think we're going to start our hymn, and we'll pass this light around. Lord, at thy birth, 
Our Father in heaven, we cry to you as people who want to be people who love the light, but who need a Savior to make us do so. We ask, Lord, that as you promise in your word that you would spend the send the spirit of your Son to make us into a renewed people, a people who truly seek after the works of light and not the works of darkness. We pray, Lord, that whenever we are in doubt, we may cast ourselves upon the only name who can save, in whose name we pray, Jesus our Lord. Amen.